Hi everyone, I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. And welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. We missed you. <laughs> oh, we did. <laughs> We're so excited for this week's episode. Why, um, why, why? What's happening this week? <laughs> First of all, I have a new segment uh, dun, called dun, dun. Is This Real Life? I'm going to talk to you about some local news stories that made me question if this is real life. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> also on this episode, we bring back what it happened was. What happened was. This is the part where Jean Grey will be singing that, not Tracy. Hater, hater, hater. <laughs> um, I miss hearing Tracy tell stories. I want that forever. Yes. Uh, so I got a story about white people in dashiki. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so ready. <laughs> And then we have the privilege of interviewing Dr. Adrienne Keene. Uh, she's a postdoc at Brown and also the writer behind the popular blog, Native Appropriations. I wonder what it's like to have people call you doctor and like you actually deserve it. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're allowed to have people call you doctor. <laughs> I tried to get people to call me Dr. Tracy for a while and then just did it, you know. I First of all, it didn't work. Second of all, it I didn't I mean, I, like I understand. <laughs> I'm really trying to, to get an honorary doctor, yo. That's, That's the, the way only to go. way I'm getting a higher education <laughs> degree. Let's go back to school for another 75 years. Listen, uh, let's start the show, guys. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. So, story time. What happened was... What happened? I had gone back home to visit my family last week mm -hmm. or just, I don't know, some days ago. <laughs> okay. And my mom and I went to the AT&T store. Now, if you know anything about me or if you know someone close to me, you may know that, yes, I still have an iPhone 4. Oh, I'm not man. proud of it. <laughs> I don't enjoy it. <laughs> the camera is awful. So awful that I don't even take selfies anymore. That's very pray hard for, for me. Pray for Tracy, guys. Please pray for me. But I don't have a newer phone because... Is I was I was only able to upgrade like maybe a month ago. Okay. And they were like, well, the new phone's coming out in September, so you might as well wait. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I've had this phone for seven years. I can wait a couple <laughs> more months. <laughs> so um, for whatever reason, my cell phone is in my mother's name. Her cell phone is in my name. Okay. So I was like, well, since I'm at home, I'm going to collect my mother and we're going to go to the AT&T store Word. and see if we can like get this upgrade going. <laughs> okay. So we're in the store. And you know how you walk in and you do like the, like you sign up and like you wait for somebody to come get you, whatever. Yeah. So me and my mom are sitting in the waiting chairs, the waiting area, whatever. Just waiting, just sitting. And over to my right, I'm like, oh, hey, there's a, there's a white guy in a dashiki. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. indeed, there was like this old, bald, gray, white man wearing a dashiki. And it was like white with like pink and orange and like maroon, like a very brightly colored okay, dashiki, okay. right? I see, sir. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, that's not what I was expecting to see in Kentucky of all places. Mm. Like, where do we get these kind of white people from? Then I was like, well, does he really know it's a dashiki? You know, who knows? But whatever. I see it. I comment on it. We move on. You think he doesn't know it's a dashiki? Just a regular shirt? I think it's possible. <laughs> like, you know, you see those pictures of like, old white people in like black fraternity and sorority t-shirts because they like got it at like a goodwill somewhere i have never you've seen never, that. oh my gosh these pictures are amazing you have not lived until you've seen like just white people pretending white to be alphas in an omega sci-fi t-shirt <laughs> you have not lived <laughs> oh gosh right so i figured you know he got it wherever sure. maybe he just saw maybe he's like in the this window. is trendy yeah he was like yeah this is this is a nice looking shirt i'm gonna wear it whatever so we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting the man in the dashiki is done with his business so he gets up starts to walk to the exit mm -hmm. and to do that he had to cross in front of my mother and I and to my left was another old white man just sitting down 
just being old and white. I don't okay. know. Just sitting by himself. <laughs> and so the man in the dashiki is like he gets past the old white man. It's almost to the door. And the old white man who was sitting down looks at him and says something like, well, how much courage did it take you to come out of the house in that shirt today? Oh, my God. <laughs> And oh I my god! Like, hmm. But I expected them to have like a little chuckle, you know, like some friendly ribbing, ha ha ha, whatever. But the man in the dashiki was not oh, having shit. it. He was like, "Excuse me, what'd you say?" And he repeated himself, right? And he was he, like, "He doubled um, down." Right, right. He it's was like, like, "You had courage to leave the house in a dashiki, sir." <laughs> he was like, "You know, it's very easy to wear." He was like, "I have seven other of these in different colors." So I, he does just treat it like a shirt. <laughs> yes. He was like, I got this shirt at Tina's Thai restaurant across the river in Indiana. And this is the first time in 10 years I've ever had uh, um, for the 10 years I've been wearing it or something like I've, I always get comments on this shirt. 10 years? This is what he said now. I don't know. And so then the other man, you would think you'd be like, oh, OK, my bad. I was just joking. <laughs> and the man sitting down is like, well, are the good comments or the bad comments? <laughs> Do they chase Yo, the women away? This is the shadiest dude. <laughs> right. And so the man in the dashiki starts walking towards this old man. And I was like, yo, mom, this is great. Go down. I turn around to my mother. She's huddled over in the corner, both trying to stifle her laughter and like trying to get out of the way in case Yo. they like really, really get to it. And so um, he takes a step towards the man and sitting down and he's like, I'll have you know that this shirt is from where Obama's from. What? And if you don't like this shirt. Does he mean Kenya? He means Africa, okay? <laughs> he didn't know. Jesus fucking Christ. He did not know. And the thing is, it wasn't an authentic dashiki. I know because I have two of the same dashikis that he What do has, you mean right? authentic Like dashiki? one from like actual African people, like African I don't know how to tell you this. What? <laughs> it's the same dashiki. No, I mean like you know how you can like, how do I describe this? So there's like the, the ones that are clearly like made in China, right? I'm telling you that I am from Africa, I, which I understand, <laughs> and have been to many a market there, right? And it is the same texture and fabric as the shit I get on 125th in Harlem. Okay, I guess what I'm referencing then is mm -hmm. like the trendier dashikis, maybe okay, that you can find that, on like, like Etsy a, that come yes, from like Ghana, and like have like elaborate, like you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, that's what I meant. And so it just so happened that at this time, at this point. It was our turn to get called up. So Tony or whoever was helping us like walks over to us and he had to walk in between the two old men that were fighting. And so at that point, the man that was sitting down kind of took that as his opportunity to get up and kind of scamper out the oh store. My God. So he gets up and leaves and the other man leaves. And me and my mom watched the parking lot for like 10 <laughs> minutes to see if they was really going to throw it go down in the sprint uh, parking no, lot. No, it did not. Unfortunately, Yo, imagine and for if the best. two white men just started fighting about a dashiki in front of you, right? <laughs> <laughs> in an AT and T store, I was just like, "What has happened to this city since I've left it?" Wow, it's crazy. I so have never all. witnessed anything like that. Listen, I really wish that a punch had been thrown. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. This is our new segment, Is This Real Life? It's just basically like, you know, you read something sometimes, you're like, this can't be real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this cannot be life. Oh, man. Our first story comes from Dadeville, Alabama. Frank Goodman is a city council member of a town of about 3,200 people. And what does he do for this town, you ask? <laughs> <laughs> well... He has proposed an ordinance that would ban sagging pants from his city, an idea which, according to him, he got from God. Ugh. God told him. 
Oh my god! To put a city ordinance out to ban <laughs> sagging pants. So I don't think I can talk about it more. I just want to directly quote him. <laughs> this is the the state as he sees it. Seeing the young boys with pants hanging down, having to walk wide legged, holding their pants up to keep them from falling down. It's gotten real bad. <laughs> it's something I couldn't take no more. <laughs> Who is going to respect you if you don't respect yourself? <clears throat> so he goes on about his uh, religious epiphany. I prayed and asked God to show me what I should do and the way I should go about it. What would God do? Oh my God. Did God go around doing this? <laughs> God didn't wear pants. <laughs> my, he's in a fucking robe. <laughs> so he goes, I prayed about this. I know that God would not go around with his pants down. <laughs> he goes on. He would show me the saggy pant. <laughs> Just pants. Just so. <laughs> okay. That is a direct quote. <laughs> he would show me the saggy pant. <laughs> Okay, I can get through this sentence. <laughs> it's one of the things. <laughs> okay, okay. I will, I will say nothing. Stop you laughing. <laughs> okay. He would show me the saggy pant. It's one of the things he did not do. It is not in his orders to do this to gain eternal life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I'm so tired. So if you're wondering why a city official would spend any time or resources on the sartorial <laughs> choices of their citizens. <laughs> this has actually happened. Albany, Hampton, and Hahira, as well as Ocala, Florida, and Jefferson Davis Parish in Louisiana, Ooh. all have ordinances like this on the books. And the fine for a violation of this ranges anywhere between $25 and $500. Oh, my God. Oh, important side note. <laughs> this is a black man. What? <laughs> I feel like I did not mention that at the top. Not that at all. It's definitely like a respectability thing where people are like, oh my you know, gosh, yeah. That if we don't respect ourselves, how could anybody else right. respect you? Just like, took on a whole. As new... if Martin Luther King was not assassinated in a Wearing suit. A suit. <laughs> nah, we're not gonna mention that. Okay. We're not mention that. Anyways, his fellow council member. This is the final cherry. So one of his fellow council members, Stephanie Kelly, is concerned that this ordinance isn't quote for everybody. Does she mean that this is an ordinance that will most likely be disproportionately applied to black people <laughs> and is part of yet another way that black men are policed? No, no, she does what? not. <laughs> what she means is that there should be an equivalent for girls. So she wants to introduce an ordinance. She says, <clears throat> I quote, I think for the girls with these shorts up high, looking like undergarments and dresses so short, I don't want us to be showing favoritism. <laughs> what? The best part to me, honestly, is that the town attorney who would have to like legally draft these ordinances, oh Robin Reynolds, says he hopes to have these ready for the next city council meeting. Uh, he, quote, says, if the council wants me to write in something for the females, it will take a little more creativity on my part. Huh? Official quote. I just have all of the questions. Do you remember? So when you said that he was black. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This She's also a black woman. Oh my gosh, uh, I'm so my heart is is frowning. But there was an uh, an old black dude who was on American Idol years ago. I don't remember. Oh my gosh, heaven! I did so not watch name, American Idol. I googled it as you were telling the story. His name is General Larry Platt, 
and he went oh, on American Idol to I sing the song about Zach and called oh, Pants on the Ground. Would you like me to sing a bit of Pants on the Ground? Please, Tracy. It is etched in every brain cell that I have. And it goes, Pants on the Ground, Pants on the Ground. Looking like a fool with your pants <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> I can't get through all Yo, I do remember Hat that song. sideways, pants hit the ground. You walking, talking with your pants on the ground. Giddy up. Hey, get your pants on the ground. That's incredible. <laughs> I just, there are just so many levels to this oh story. Oh my gosh. I'm upset that these people exist. Oh. So all man. of that comes from um, Alexander City local paper, The Outlook, and also original reporting from The Daily Beast. That These are all real quotes, y'all. I'm tired. And he sad. would show me the saggy pants. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Is This Real Life. If you oh, have uh, local stories you want to share with us, please send them to another round at oh BuzzFeed.com. Please and I uh, because I think this can be a reoccurring <laughs> segment. Because <laughs> America's unreal. Oh my God. Pants on the ground, pants on the ground. Looking like a fool with your pants on the ground, with the gold in your mouth. Hat turned sideways, pants hit the ground. Call yourself a cool cat, looking like a fool. Walking down town with your pants on the ground. Get it up. Hey, get your pants off the ground. Looking like a fool. Walking. So we are here today with Dr. Adrian Keene, the writer behind the popular blog Native Appropriations, which I think was like kind of the beginning of the Internet's conversations about cultural appropriation. We're hyped she's here. What's up? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Welcome, welcome. Before we get into all that and the blog... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where are you from? What was home like for you? Well, I grew up in Southern California um, in suburban San Diego in a very, uh, now as an educational researcher, I look back on it and it was a very segregated community Mm. of uh, Latino community and a white community. Um, Not a lot of Native folks there. Uh, The only Native people at my huge high school were me and my sister. So my only exposure to native other Native people was my immediate family and I'm a citizen of the Cherokee Nation, um, which is based in Oklahoma. And so we would go back and hang out in Oklahoma and I'd see my relatives there, but largely grew up in a, a very white area. And I think that informs a lot of my understandings and a lot of my, my thinking is that experience of just complete erasure of indigenous people. What was your relationship to your Native identity? Like as a child and like maybe now, like yeah. how has it changed? It's definitely changed. And um, it's something Native identity is really complicated because it's I mean, it's a racialized identity in the U.S., um, but it's also very much a political identity. And we're citizens of sovereign nations. Mm. And that, of course, understanding for me as a kid growing up was not uh, something I really deeply understood Um, And I also can totally pass as white. And so that really uh, informed my experiences as well, because I wasn't really going to assert something that made me different. Mm. And so it wasn't until I got to college and I started, I finally had a community of other Native folks my age I could hang out with and I could um, share experiences with and really start to understand the kind of political side of my identity and take Native American studies classes and really start to build up that connection again. Because my grandma had moved away from Oklahoma when she was 18 after attending a government boarding school um, for all of her her high school time. And the history of that is really long and complicated, too, that we could (laughs) unpack for the next hour. Um, So 
NPR recently ran an article that interviewed you about um, Native students in college and their experience. And there were a lot of comments about you, quote unquote, looking white. Yeah, about my face. (laughs) (laughs) So is that something that like you now have like a stock answer for? Or is that like a a thing you don't even address anymore? How do you think about that? I actually knew that was going to happen at Mm. some point. And the way that I have dealt with it on the blog is that I have been 100% honest from the beginning. And especially right now, there's all sorts of stuff going on with like what they're calling ethnic fraud in higher education. Mm. And um, what does that mean? It's very complicated issues of hiring Native scholars and um, people seeking to prove that they are not actually Native or, in fact, they are not actually Native. And so they're people who have kind of taken on this identity. And uh, there are a lot of layers of complication of um, which tribes are federally recognized, which are not. Um, but it's a it's something that happens a lot. Mm. So I was mentally prepared for it. And I've also gotten those questions my entire life. But to see it kind of play out on a national stage was yeah. a little unnerving because <laughs> no one had anything substantive to say about my research or about like the Word, actual content. Like your it face. Was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there were some very, very interesting comments that came out of that. So mm. I don't I've. Um, um, to me, I don't really have a stock answer, but it has the whole experience with NPR made me a lot more comfortable in talking about it just because I have to. And mm. it's not something that I'm ashamed of anymore. It used to be it would bring embarrassment and a lot of shame that I didn't grow up closer to my community, that I didn't like look more Indian, whatever that means. But the reality is I had no control over the choices of my ancestors, the the government policies that were inflicted upon my community and upon my my immediate family that led to me growing up in California and led to me looking the way I do. So why would I feel ashamed of that? Right. <laughs> it's it's the um, history of even colonization. Even today you were tweeting about you, you got a fly ass haircut. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but you were tweeting great. about how that's also still fraught. Yeah. We had this really great exhibit opening last night for my um, exhibit that I curated at Brown with some contemporary Native artists. And I walked in with my, my new haircut and... Uh, everyone was giving me a lot of compliments. And then I saw one of my close Native friends and her eyes got all big and she looked really nervous and was like, you cut your hair. And I immediately was like, no, 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 it's okay. It was I, I went to get a haircut because in our communities, cutting your hair is a sign of mourning. And a lot of times mm. that's only when something you do when someone passes away. And so her immediate reaction was something horrible must have happened. Mm. Um so even when I was sitting in the, the salon chair, like ready to chop it all off, um, I cut off like over 10 inches of yeah. hair. I was going back and forth in my mind, like, is this really what I want to do? Is this, uh, am I being a bad Indian by cutting off my hair? Because there is a lot of like spiritual teachings that are tied to your hair as well. But it, it just gets complicated. Sophomore year of college, I cut off all my hair to donate after a friend passed away. And um, I came back to the dorm. And one of, the first thing someone said to me was, oh, you don't look Native anymore. Mm. And I was like, what does that even mean? But yeah. it really stuck with me. And mm. I um, so for a long time, I, I kept my hair really long because of that. But it was only because I was trying to play into these stories <laughs> of what a Native looks like. Let's talk about the blog a little bit. So how long have you been doing it? What was the inspiration for it? 
I've been doing it for over five years now. Mm-hmm. The five-year blog anniversary was, I guess, in January. Oh, hey. uh, happy yeah. birthday! Happy belated birthday! <laughs> um, we have Harvard to thank for the blog um, because what I, do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's where I went to grad school. Okay. Um, so my doctorate is from the Harvard Graduate School of Education, and I was the only Native doctoral student in the oh. entire school. Um, and I didn't have any Native scholars on any of my syllabi, uh, much less teaching the classes. We would go through things like the history of American education without ever touching on the fact that Native people even like existed or the government boarding Mm. school uh, system existed. And on top of it, it was right when the tribal trends, quote unquote, I'm doing scare quotes, um, (laughs) in fashion first started. And there's a huge Urban Outfitters right across from my campus. And one day I was walking through there and it was like... Every horrible stereotype you could imagine, like uh, totem pole jewelry stands and like neon dream catchers and fake oh moccasins no. and feather earrings Jesus. and headdress shirts. And something finally kind of clicked together where I was like, my classmates don't know that Native people exist. So they mm. tell me to my face that they've never met a Native person, uh, that they wonder why I'm studying Native education because they think we're all dead. Mm. Um, and Jesus. it's because the only images they ever see is this crap in Urban Outfitters that has no connection to actual contemporary communities that's based in these stereotypes. So I started the blog as a place to kind of catalog all that stuff because at the time I had no idea how to talk about it. I just Mm. knew it was like problematic. I knew it was connected, but I didn't know any of the language to actually talk about it. And it's funny to look back at the early posts because they're like, what is this? This is weird. (laughs) I think this is bad. (laughs) There's nothing kind of behind it. And now I go into these long in-depth explanations and Mm -hmm. pull in all the random theory that I've learned from grad school as well to kind of talk about and theorize why this is actually bad. You've been writing about this for a while now, five years. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed any changes in the way like on the internet, people talk about cultural appropriation? Well, five years ago, I don't think anyone knew what that term meant. I, I think, would agree. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. <laughs> I think there were very, there was small pockets of the internet where the conversations were happening um, because those were the conversations that I was looking to um, to enter. Uh, mm. So there was an existing community, um, but it was very small. For our listeners who may not know, wh- how would you describe cultural appropriation and why do you write about it so much? So cultural appropriation, the way I always describe it is that at the most basic level, it's just the taking from culture that is not your own spiritual practices, uh, cultural markers, clothing, anything that kind of identifies that culture. And that at its base is not problematic. What becomes an issue is the you can't separate it from the systems of power that are in place. And so especially for Native people, you can't talk about cultural appropriation. Uh, You can't talk about borrowing, quote unquote, things from cultures without talking about colonization and the ongoing issues of colonialism that we face. And The example I always give is if a lawmaker in D.C. is trying to make a a, pass a law that's going to help protect native sovereignty or land or uh, environmental issues. And then they walk out of their office and are met with the logo of the Washington R words. How are they supposed to make (laughs) an actual informed decision Mm. about real contemporary native people if that's the image that they see every day? How do you feel about I guess like so you use a lot of academic language. Like a lot of your your study and your work has been in academic spaces, but you also have this very public, very accessible blog. Like, how do you think about how you write your voice, your tone and just like where you get knowledge from, where people get knowledge from? That's one of the things I love best about the blog is I 
have always felt very uncomfortable in the academic spaces I occupy. I don't feel like I am a part of these Ivy League schools that mm. I have been at. I always feel like I'm slightly an outsider and kind of this like spy for the revolution. <laughs> um, and so what I what then I am able to do is take these complicated theories that feel very disconnected from the things I care about and apply them to things that I'm seeing every single day and make it something that is accessible to everyone. Being able to name things is really important to me. So mm. like when I experience a microaggression, being able to say like, hey, that was a microaggression yeah. or being able to label uh, colorblind racism or um just all of these kind of terms that I've learned from research to be able to apply them and name things to me gives power back mm. um, to me. Yeah, there's been so much like hand wringing over microaggressions. I'm mm -hmm. just like, yo, it's just a useful unit of right. measurement. <laughs> <laughs> I also think a part of it is just like, white people are embarrassed that the mm -hmm. like the random interpersonal thing that they've been doing with their coworker mm -hmm. is the actually thing a systematic no thing was like that has a name thing. and is a part of a larger right. thing. Yeah. Um, so I've noticed a lot that if you want like news about Native American issues, there aren't that many places to go mm -hmm. for them. No. Where do you go to get news about your community? So we have literally like one national kind of news outlet and it's Indian country today. Yeah. And, the hard thing is Indian country today is trying to be the New York Times and BuzzFeed and everything like <laughs> oh. all at once. So it's trying to be everything. And so we have these hard-hitting, interesting journalistic pieces mm. next to 10 photos of res puppies that make you go, aw. Oh. Like, so it's really <laughs> So it's really hard to, if that's our only news outlet, I think um, the conversations don't reach a national stage. So Twitter has become this incredible resource for for me and a lot of other Native people, because you can, people are tweeting out links to their tribal newspaper, or they're telling you what's going on in their community at mm -hmm. their tribal council meeting, or at the protest, or whatever it is, um, in ways that we don't get from actual media outlets. So there's a huge Native uh, contingent on Twitter. You wrote an open letter to uh, Native college students called "Dear Native College Student, You Are Loved" um, about navigating college in a place that often feels alienating or doesn't recognize your identity oh it's so good but <laughs> i wanted to talk a little bit about because it's a it talks well actually you can describe it i'm not gonna <laughs> but i want to talk about like self-care and mental health yeah. and how that ties into your work so the letter um i wrote to the stanford native community after um they lost a student to suicide um at the uh over winter break the reason I wrote the letter, uh, well, of course, is because I feel so deeply for that community after being a part of it, but also because we went through the same experience when I was a student on campus where we mm. lost a Native student to suicide. And so I was heartbroken all over again to think of what those students were going through because I knew exactly what it felt like. And suicide in Native communities is a huge issue. We experience suicide rates, I think it's 2.5 times the national average. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the leading cause of death for Native men between the, the age, I think, of 22 and 35 or something like that. Uh, don't quote me on that statistic, but it's something like that. Um, and so that's the flip side of the the work that I do. Is I And in that letter, I talk about that, that I... I believe so deeply that college is such an important and positive thing for the students themselves and for our communities. But the flip side of that is that I worry about the environments that I'm sending my students mm. into. Because when you're one of a handful of students, mm. it's that 
that self-care piece can really be lost. If you mm. feel like you have the weight of your nation on your shoulders, <gasps> uh, that all of the ch- positive change in your community is up mm. to you, that's that's a lot for any anyone to handle, much less a, a young college student. So it's really, really tough. Let's talk about Halloween a little. I don't mean to switch gears so (laughs) (laughs) dramatically. Our good friend Jean Demby likes to refer to Halloween as Blackface Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like this is when all of the Uh, offensive Halloween costumes come out. Oh, Halloween. How do you like, I know that when Halloween comes around, I have to like self, like have to sit myself down and be like, okay, you're going to see a lot of horrible shit on the internet. You're going to see people. Not even on the internet. Like just when you're going out. Yeah. But, like, you're going to see people dressed as Trayvon Martin. You're going to see people dressed as Caitlyn Jenner. Like, how do you personally prepare? Because I know that, like, there's just so many people who don't know that, like, wearing a headdress is wrong. You know, like, there are even people who can, like, maybe comprehend that blackface is not okay. But even those maybe. people, maybe <laughs> I'm being generous. But even those people are just like, what? It's a, it's a, it's a headdress. What's the problem? For Native folks, the time from Halloween to, like, well, no, from Columbus Day oh, to God. Thanksgiving <laughs> is like oh, no. the worst. So it's oh, like, my God. I mean, I would avoid the internet for the days after Halloween. Now I just get tired because I've, I have nine or 10 posts about <laughs> Halloween specifically. <laughs> and they uh, like, it's like every single layer of what goes on and why you shouldn't do that. Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about the descriptions of the costumes. Let's talk about the costumes themselves. Mm. Let's give you a play Bible, hey, of what you should do when your friend <laughs> right. dresses up as an Indian. Like, let's talk about, here's a deep, like, heartfelt personal letter about what this means. <laughs> yeah. And here are all the ideas of other things that you can dress as. <laughs> yeah. Like, there are yeah. other options. I, like, I was like, sexy <laughs> Scrabble board. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I'm gonna be a sexy scrabble Yo, board this year. Like a Don't know idea. how I'm gonna pull it off. <laughs> Last night my friends came up with a Donald Trumpkin, like Ooh. like a pumpkin and Donald Trump, which I'm I thought was, it. I'm was pretty okay. It. I don't know, but. Yeah. So I just I I don't know what else to say. It's mm. like I, I've given you all the resources and you're still going to do this. So I don't know what to do. But there's also been those like nifty um, like PSA style things that have gone viral on the Internet that just said my culture is not a costume. Yeah. yeah. Which is <laughs> Please respect basic people. ideas about my identity. Yeah. <laughs> but the hard thing is no matter what, even those were so beautiful, like the campaign was so beautifully done and really powerful. And the responses like mm. people just are not OK with being told that they can't dress up as something uh. for Halloween. <laughs> and it, to me, that's like such a low-level oh thing. Oh, my God. Like, in you your life. Me and PC <laughs> is going to ruin this country. Oh, my God. Y'all too sensitive. Yeah. It's just a costume. But it does truly confound me that I'm just telling you, like, on a really basic, fundamental human dignity level, mm-hmm. like, it's disrespectful for you to pretend to, like, have to be me for mm-hmm. a costume. <laughs> right. What is it about people that says no to that? I don't yeah. get that. But it's, is it just like you can't tell white people to do nothing? That's exactly <laughs> what it is. That's, that's it? exactly they're what it is. They're not used to hearing like no. They're not here to saying that's not for you. Yeah. Mm. I mean, think of the history of you know, everything. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> I just, it's so depressing. It's so such a simple task. Mm-hmm. Don't do, you, do this. <laughs> do you ever want to wear an offensive white people costume? <laughs> 
So one of my classmates from Stanford actually did that last Halloween. Oh, she like she wore a blonde wig and like did like like whitened up her face and had brochures about cultural appropriation and went, um, <laughs> went around to, oh my God. to folks. Did but she also wear Uggs and carry around? I think she did actually. Lattice. I know yes. she had. I think Uggs were part of the costume. I'm not kidding, but. Uh, but for me, like the way I look, it wouldn't really be making a statement. I kind of feel like <laughs> <laughs> I'd really be confused. Uh, whenever I think of um, like visual representations of um, Thanksgiving, to sort of backtrack a little bit, I think of the Adams Family movie where Wednesday Adams goes to. Um, you haven't given me a blank. I haven't look. seen anything. You know that. Oh, okay. It's so such add a this great to the scene. list. Add this to the list. So. Wednesday Adams goes off to like summer camp or something and they're like all the white people are like oh we're gonna reenact uh, Columbus coming oh, to no. the Americas and the first Thanksgiving and everything was like hi I'm Columbus and all the Indians are like or the neighbors are like um here, let us give you like delicious foods. Like, you know, a very fictitious Disney right, five version of how it didn't happen at all. <laughs> and so then Wednesday Adams comes out and she's just like, We're gonna burn all this shit down because this is actually how it happened. Mm. And I think like her brother wouldn't like start a Yo, fire or off, something. Wednesday, yes. <laughs> that is what I always think of when I think about Thanksgiving. And there's this awesome Canadian um DJ First Nations DJ group called a tribe called Red, and they're oh my, my God. favorite <laughs> and I love them. And they did a remix using sound clips from that scene called uh, Burn Your Village to the Ground. Years from now, my people will be forced to live in mobile homes and reservations. Your people will wear cardigans and drink highballs. We will sell our bracelets by the roadsides. You will play golf and enjoy hot hors d'oeuvres. My people will have pain and degradation. Your people will have stick shifts. It seems that lately in the news, there's been like a lot of really um, awful cases of um, in pop culture in particular of just horrible, appropriative stuff. Most notably, Adam Sandler. In his movie, The Ridiculous Six. I don't know if it's most notably, just one million. <laughs> one, well, just one of Yeah, that's true. So um, Adam Sandler uh, is making a few movies for Netflix because people are like, yeah, let's give Adam Sandler for movies. movies. I don't know. Who am um, I? It's apparently supposed to be a parody of Westerns. I also think white people need like a satire yes. slash parody intervention. Yeah, absolutely. But it's called The Ridiculous Six, and it made news because they were Native American consultants that were on set that were saying, hey, this is an offensive joke. Yeah. Don't do this. They like walked, a lot of the uh, Native mm-hmm. actors walked off the movie set because it was that offensive. Yeah. Have there been any meaningful pop culture representations for you? To use the example of Netflix, there's actually on Netflix are some incredible Native films by Native filmmakers mm. um, that are really stand in stark contrast to most of the other representations. And one of um, my friends who is a, a filmmaker is named Sterling Harjo. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, all of his films are on Netflix and they're really beautiful films. And he shoots them in Oklahoma uh, with his community and uh, uses all native casts. And they really highlight different parts of native communities that often are not shown. Um, and so that to me is positive that there's a place where anyone can go and find these films if they want to. They're a little buried and you have to kind of how do you for them. like yeah, how are they categorized? What's their Netflix so genre? The <laughs> is I get mad at Netflix is there's no like like if you search Native American, it will only give you films that have Native American in the title. It doesn't mm. like have a sort of genre search or anything right. like that. So you have to actually know what you're looking for. 
Um, I is think, there like a euphemistic way that they refer to them? Like, like we get urban, <laughs> urban <laughs> movies. <laughs> no, we don't see. We're so invisible. We don't even get a, oh, don't even man. Get a euphemism. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Uh, Can't even get a euphemism. <laughs> what do we got to do? I will say, though, Parks and Rec. I really I'm, <laughs> yes, I'm okay uh, with the native representations in that show. Yes, he goes in. Yes, because they make white people the joke. Like yeah. it's not the natives aren't the joke. Like like the stupidity of the white folks is the joke, <laughs> which is fine. the consistent punchline. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one mainstream one that I'm okay with. Um, you recently made news. Speaking of Netflix, you recently oh, made God. news <laughs> <laughs> um, because you were tweeting slash blogging about Pocahontas, the, like the description of Pocahontas on on Netflix. Yeah. So it started with I just was on um, Netflix and I watch all of those native films on Netflix. And so there must be some like algorithm because Pocahontas (laughs) popped up as Mm. a like, you should enjoy this. And I was like, no, I will not enjoy that movie. (laughs) But I clicked on it because I was just curious. And the description was so bad. Mm. It was like uh, an American Indian woman uh, is slated to marry the best warrior in the village but she yearns for something more dash and then meets captain john smith so it's a love story guys (laughs) it just like seems so like gross and overly sexual especially when we have all these issues of the sexualization of native women and Mm -hmm. i don't know so I did not think it was going to be a big thing. I like literally sent one tweet out and was like, ew, like, can we talk about this <laughs> description? And then people were like, I don't see why it's wrong. And I was like, okay. Uh. So then I put like maybe six more tweets about why it was wrong. And then I looked up some of the other uh, Disney movies that have male protagonists mm-hmm. to like show that they get to like have adventures and be king of the jungle <laughs> and they're not <laughs> defined by the they romance They get to have a line. say in their yeah. life and fate. Um, and then... Because people still didn't get it. Then I went to the blog and I was like, okay, here are the tweets I sent out. Here's a little more context. Like, let's talk about the, like, colonial white supremacy embedded in this um, this description. And then, lo and behold, a week later, Netflix emailed me and was like, hey, so we saw all this and mm. we changed it. <laughs> and <laughs> I, was, I was excited. The new description is a lot better. That's um, so dope. Yeah. yeah that's literally amazing. never how people no, respond. Never. <laughs> and the funny if thing only was, Urban Outfitters ever did that. <laughs> Somehow it got picked up by everybody. And there's been like, I think, over 20 articles in the last three days about this. Hmm. And I'm having a lot of trouble with it because they are quoting the tweets and not necessarily quoting from the blog that really like explains why Hmm. I and then me as an academic, I'm cringing because on the blog, I use super casual, snarky language. And mm. so every national news outlet now has me saying, spoiler alert, it's a white dude. <laughs> and so as someone who's trying to get a job next year in academia, it kind of makes me a little worried that now I'm going to be known as, as the, the girl who tweeted Netflix. But um, <laughs> people are mad about it. Mm. Like they are mad at me. And so my mentions on Twitter oh, over no. the weekend Trash. were the worst they have uh... ever been. And as an academic, I have a skill set to be able to use that. So I made a spreadsheet. <laughs> and I literally like copied and pasted all of the hate tweets I was getting. Okay. And I put the, the tweet itself. And then if it was a male or a female, spoiler alert, mostly male. <laughs> and then a column based on their um, avatar and their mm-hmm. name, like if they were white or a person of color. Mm-hmm. Also, spoiler alert, alert uh, like three people of color in the entire, um, uh. over 300 tweets that I have already mm. put in. There are more. 
So now I'm going to do a content analysis and write an <laughs> academic article about because there's very distinct ways people uh, get mad about it. It's either like there are 15 plus tweets that told me uh, some variation of you're what's wrong with America. Yeah, the okay. And okay. like uh, like PC culture run amok and just all of these very uh, similar ways that they talk about it. So mm. that makes it easy for me to pull out those <laughs> themes and talk about what they illuminate in broader conversations. So, so they're helping you with your work. Yes. Shit. So yeah. now every Might time well I continue to get a, a mean one, I'm like, and for the spreadsheet, thank you. Oh, and another <laughs> one that calls me the C word. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. So, White Guy. Yeah. Okay, so this is the fun part. This is our <laughs> segment called Pew 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 Pew, where we will ask you rapid fire questions that you may answer as quickly as you wish. I feel like a lot of people are like they're they, never rapid they're put fire. under pressure <laughs> by the rapid fire. So it's not actually rapid fire. So what are some words that you wish that people would stop using? I know that like at least twice I have like only recently noticed that like some terms that I just like grew up using are like actually really offensive. Those two terms being, which I learned at work is spirit animal. Like they were like, oh, you can't say spirit animal anymore. I'm like, what? Oh, they say it in Disney all the time. So there's that. <laughs> and also. Disney um, should never be your justification for anything. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> still growing heaven. Still learning. That's allowed. That's allowed. Yeah. And the other is powwow. Like yeah. I never realized. Yeah, that's also super casual. Yeah. yeah. So what are some other terms like those two that you wish people would stop casually um, using? The one that happens all the time, and sometimes I even find myself saying it, um, is low man on the totem pole. When do people use that? So it's like when you're talking about a hierarchy, like at work or something, like, and you're like the intern. And so you're like, oh, I don't have a lot of... A lot of clout. I'm like the low man on the totem pole. Gotcha, gotcha. But the annoying thing is like for the communities that make the the totem poles, there's no like hierarchy on the Mm -hmm. totem pole. And the one at the bottom is actually like holding up what's going on. And so that character can have a lot more importance. It doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Yeah. So there's like all these weird things. People say like someone has gone off the reservation uh, to like say that. That I've heard before. Yeah. So like political folks use that a lot wait um, what is i don't know that i've heard that it's like if someone has like gone out of bounds or like just mm. kind of like gone wild and crazy and mm. like out of range of what they were doing and that comes from like when natives were not allowed to leave the reservation and mm-hmm. then you like left and you were like, like oh he's gone off wild the reservation to right. bring up casually um, <laughs> right like you must be nuts because you're leaving this place that we're you're leaving the reservation <laughs> right that reminds me of um the disease that slaves were diagnosed Yo. with, drapetomania. <laughs> like, oh my God, she's crazy. She wants the freedom. She's obviously sick. Yeah, I, I, that's another word that I've never heard said out loud. I don't know if I pronounced I've it right. I thought it. it was drapetomania. If you know how to pronounce this word, what do you call us? <laughs> I just love that they were like, you have a disease because you want to escape. <laughs> this is not normal. <laughs> Yo, white people just made up a lot of shit. Right. Rules, words, names. Where do you get all your fly-ass jewelry? Oh, that is a great question. So that's a big thing I always talk about with cultural appropriation is like, I don't care if you want to wear native jewelry. I just want you to buy it from native people. Right. Uh, because we... Not Forever 21. Right. <laughs> uh, like native artists know how to represent themselves, how to represent their community. Then you're supporting uh, native communities. You're su- supporting native economies. Um, and the stuff is really well made and beautiful. Mm. So... Um, it is. It's lies. I get stuff at powwows a lot, but... 
the big online um, resource is the Beyond Buckskin Boutique, um, which is shop.beyondbuckskin.com. And that's my friend Jessica Metcalf runs it. And she is a reformed academic. She used to be a professor. (laughs) And now she is an entrepreneur. Um, (laughs) And so everything on that site is native made. And there's stuff at all price points, like from super cheap, like up to uh, like couture stuff. So, Mm. Oh, this uh, is beautiful. I just logged onto the website. And the first thing I saw was a T-shirt that said Native Americans Discovered Columbus. Yeah, Jared Yazzie. Yes. (laughs) So all sorts of cool stuff. And that's I get a lot of my stuff from there. Academia is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) What are like some of the more absurd microaggressions you've encountered? I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> I I think I get a lot of times if I people hear what I study, then mm-hmm. they're like, want to ask me if I'm native, but they don't know how to do it. So I get weird things like, so is someone in your family <laughs> nice. Native American or uh was like do you have native american ancestry or just like weird questions um i always once i say that i'm native then always people are like oh really you don't look indian and i'm like thank you yeah i'm not aware of that <laughs> then the the weird thing that i've been noticing a lot lately is there's an expectation that because i happen to be a native person in academia i know everything about every native everywhere yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so i get these oh. emails from like other faculty or oh, like no. graduate students and they're like hi i'm doing a paper on 19th century England and I would like to know your opinions about like whatever random native connection to this and I'm like I actually know absolutely nothing about that but uh but you would never expect that of like a white person historian to know everything about every white person ever in the history of everything so we should start doing that to white people (laughs) name every white person (laughs) how do you know Ashley (laughs) no what? No, Carol. <laughs> what about Diane? <laughs> but the funny thing, especially in the Ivy League native world, is people are like, oh, hey, do you know that one uh-huh. native who's at Cornell? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Actually. <laughs> yes. But you shouldn't assume that. Yeah, you should assume that, though. <laughs> so we, of course, have to ask you about squirrels mm-hmm. because it's become our thing. But <laughs> our producer, Meg Kramer, has some new and innovative ways to ask about squirrels. Okay. And these questions kind of made us wonder what goes on in Meg's head. <laughs> they did a little bit. A little bit. But they're great questions. So would you rather live in a city where squirrels can fly or live in a city where squirrels are as plentiful as pigeons? Like just imagine like 15 squirrels all like all around your crumbs. feet. Yes. <laughs> at uh, the same time. And like are we talking about squirrels can fly. So there's like lots of them like seagulls all over. But they're squirrels. I or... think there's, it's still the same amount of squirrels. Right. That they're just in the just air. Just in now. the air. <laughs> then I'll totally I'll totally go with the flying squirrels. Okay. Like the idea of them around my like ankles and my feet. <laughs> <laughs> ugh, ugh, ugh. But I, I feel like they already don't respect your personal space. So. But That's I actually true. came prepared yeah. with a squirrel story. <gasps> Please share. Um, go on. So in college at Stanford, there are these creepy black squirrels that are all over campus and they are jet black and they have kind of reddish eyes. Like mm-hmm. they're oh sort of like God. and so the joke is that they're like an escape science experiment and they're only like <laughs> at Stanford, but I would believe that <laughs> sophomore year, my friend Annie and I decided that we were going to be these like squirrel pranksters because we were inspired <laughs> by our friends. What does that mean? So we had these friends who were these frat dudes that had a squirrel trap and they would trap the black squirrels and then they would release them on places like weird places on campus. Like what? It, they put one in a microwave at a sorority house. So like when they opened the microwave, the squirrel like jumped out at them or they. That is a hell of a <laughs> <laughs> oh 
my god <laughs> so being a a young sophomore in college we thought that would be really cool and we wanted to be like the girl <laughs> versions of that and so oh, no. <laughs> our friend russ gave us one of his squirrel traps and so we put it outside our dorm squirrel trap so it's this long like rectangular thing that is like mesh and you put bait in it and then it has like a little trap door and then like when they eat the bait the little door just closes so it doesn't hurt them no it just it's like it's not like a mouse trap a... where it smushes them it's like a live trap it okay. just like holds them word so we put it outside uh. our dorm and we baited it with peanut butter and cocoa puffs because we're like <laughs> totally what squirrels of course like. squirrels eat cocoa puffs. and it it worked <laughs> and we caught one and so we go charging down there like grand plans of like the Stanford Daily article about these funny like squirrel pranksters <laughs> and the squirrel was freaking out oh obviously so like it's going back and forth back and forth back and forth and it's like making this like creepy sound so then <laughs> Annie what does squirrel and I, sound like? I it was like this really like. panicked like sort of like squeaky sound Aww. and it was so sad so then Annie and I started freaking out <laughs> and I may or may not have started to cry <laughs> <laughs> and the problem with the squirrel trap is in order to open it, mm-hmm. you have to kind of stick your hand uh-uh. in it to nope. like get the, the door to <laughs> nope. open up. And so I kept being like, I'm going to be brave, like through my like tears, being like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, like I'm going to stick my hand in there and open it up. But every time I would get close, the squirrel would charge over to my Ugh. hand because it was mad. So... <laughs> so instead, we're standing there like freaking out and... Uh, I was trying to be like all like feminist about it. We had to go get a boy to come and open the squirrel trap. Make and, yourself useful. And he, I know. so he's like, "What's going on?" And we're like, "The squirrel is upset. Can you let it out?" <laughs> and so he just like sticks his hand in and like lets it out, and the squirrel goes charging up a tree, and it was fine. Like it was just a little. It had some. It had a snack, you know. It had yeah. like the peanut butter. What was your but, plan though? What was your prank? Right. So the whole idea was we were gonna release it like in a crowded lecture hall. <laughs> And that, like, people oh would be god. like, oh my god, a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, that's and, an appropriate response. <laughs> but it didn't happen. Oh my and god. so now every time I see them, I just picture that poor trap squirrel. Oh, wow, man. that is an incredible story. Yes. <laughs> that squirrel is somewhere rocking back and forth in a tree to this day. Just I can't not believe okay. there are squirrel pranksters. <laughs> I have never. Squirrel I, uh, theme, like squirrel <laughs> themed pranks. <laughs> would never have thought that's thing. such grand plans <laughs> <laughs> um oh my god thank you so much for coming this was, so great. I, this, was, so this was so good if you think of a good offensive to white people costume for halloween yeah we'll, we'll I, I will do it yeah. no. <laughs> um so if people want to follow your work uh what you doing where can they find you so my website is nativeappropriations.com um i am on twitter at native appropes um and <laughs> That's also my Instagram handle, too. So you can find me there. And if they feel so compelled, where can they find your academic work? <laughs> journals? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually don't. Well, you can go to Google Scholar and put in Adrian Keene, mm-hmm. um, and a couple of things will pop up there. Okay. I've got stuff in the works, um, stuff that's going through. journal. So that's the other thing. Journal publishing takes forever. So <laughs> I can like write a blog post in an hour, and then journal publishing, I have to wait six months to hear yeah. a response Woo! of if it's in or not. I couldn't. I mean... Keep fighting that good fight in <laughs> academia. <laughs> Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you. Please come back. Me. Anytime. Yay. Hey, Evan, guess what time it is? What time is it? Time to buy rail. Baby, come through. Hey. Hey. Um, 
I'm going to just whisper that because I should stop singing on the no, show. <laughs> no, you cantar like un pajaro. Wow. That means you sing like I a bar in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be speaking. I'll be speaking it. Oh, my God. Who are you buying around for, Tracy? <laughs> so I'm buying around for people with tattoos because I just got my third Ooh. tattoo. Tell the people what it is, Tracy. So I got the words, everything is okay on the inside of my right oh, yes. wrist. And I got it in my mother's handwriting. Oh. Um, I love it. She hates it. You know, it's a tribute <laughs> to her. It's just the kind of person that Yo. she is. I think she secretly likes it. She just be fronting for the cameras. But What is indicating that to you? <laughs> um, Her good friend yelled to me that she actually loves it oh. as they were dropping me off at the oh, airport. Because it was so like the cute. first time she looked at it. She was like, oh, I don't even want to see it. And that's told her it was in her handwriting she was like oh when did you do that i didn't want this on your wrist blah 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 blah. and then they were gonna pull off and our friend Sandra, she was like tracy she just told me that she really really likes it (laughs) she won't say it i know she didn't want to say it um you literally say this to me every day right and i say it to myself a thousand times a day and sometimes I need to hear it in somebody else's voice because I don't believe myself mm. when I say it. Yo, I should be saying it more. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so when I look at it in her handwriting, I can kind of hear her voice saying it. And it really, really helps. So it's just my third total tattoo. Mm. The first one that I have instantly liked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember the tramp stamp story? We're not going to go there. Three. We're not going to go back there. Um. Shout out to everybody who has good ink. Shout out to everybody who has bad ink. I understand. <laughs> I feel you. But I don't know. I love tattoos. So around for everybody who has one. Yes. <laughs> How about you, Heaven? Who are you buying around for? Someone tweeted me the most glorious thing I have seen. Uh-huh. Shout out to Christopher Carter. It is a video of a gospel choir singing the song, Stay in Your Lane, Stop Swerving. Oh. It's from 2013. And it's sung by a one Lentisha Roberts with the Reggie Gay Gospel Show. Oh, man. I want to play this in, like, every situation. <laughs> Let me just give you a little snippet. Listen, everybody's got a talent or a gift from God. Everybody don't always use their talent. They're afraid to step out of their comfort zone. So I want this just like on my phone so I can play it like in a meeting, <laughs> in a conversation, Should make it on your Twitter. <laughs> like stay in your lane is such good advice. It is. And now you get a gospel song to remind you to do so. So I read up on the origin of it because I was just like, this is beautiful. Uh-huh. Why, why does this exist? Lentisha, she was in the U.S. Navy. And she says, while I was there, our chaplain was replaced by another chaplain. And everyone was trying to tell the new chaplain what to do. <laughs> Explain how things go. And as everyone was talking, I whispered to the person next to me, I wish people would just stay in their lane and stop swerving. <laughs> Very appropriate. <laughs> appropriate for every Life situation. Advice. Life hack. Stay and she's lane. like, it was at that moment that the melody came to me, the premise of the song. <laughs> she's like, girl, yes. Just stay in your lane. Stop swerving. And you really have to watch the video to get the choreography. Oh, the choreography is incredible. It's beautiful. Um, but yeah, stay in your lane, everyone. <laughs> Cease the swerve. Cease. Cease. <laughs>
Uh, we did it, Tracy. Yay. Tracy, we made it. Hey. 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 <laughs> we want to give a shout out to Adrian Keen for coming through. We're like really excited yes. to have this conversation. And for drinking bourbon and with us. We love it when people drink with us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Follow her blog at nativeappropriations.com. Follow her work there and find her on Twitter. Shout out to the Pod Squad, of course. Pod Squad. This podcast is produced by Eleanor Kagan. Yay. Editorial oversight with Jenna Weiss Berman. Production help from Julia Furlan and Meg Kramer. Ow, ow. And Paul Ruiz at Argo Studios. Paul. Hey, Paul. Mm. Mm. Don't make it. Oh, my bad. God. <laughs> you don't bad. need all the song. <laughs> uh, take a side song and, and make, make it better. better. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you to our podcast musicians. That is the illustrious Jean Gray. You can follow her on Twitter at Jean Greasy. And to Don Will of the Almighty Tanya Morgan. You can follow him at Don Will. That's D O N W I L L. Thank you to Optimus Prime. <laughs> thank you to the Tracy. And thank you to the sagging pant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Shout out to Frank. We should just email him and tell him that God didn't wear pants. Just, like, send him pictures of God. <laughs> <laughs> As always, you can find me at Heaven Rants, Heaven the Noun, Rants the Verb. I'm a fan of that one still. Uh, you can find me at Broken Poverty. Brokey as in broke and McPoverty as in McPoverty on Twitter. <laughs> and if you want to see us live, make sure to check out popupmagazine.com where you yes. can see all our, our tour dates. Hey, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Chicago, and Brooklyn. Not necessarily in that order. Is it in that order? It is actually in that order. <laughs> yes. So we, we out here right today. Come see us. Come see us. Call your mom, everybody. She's worried about you. Maybe get a tattoo <laughs> Maybe. with our handwriting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, take your meds and listen, I'm not going to have mine while um, I'm Don't out of do town this, soon. Don't hey, do it's this. not, it's kind of my I, Like after, like literally after this is finished, I'm going to go pick up my meds. If you have meds, take them. If you don't have them, get a refill. Don't wait until last minute like me. Um, take a walk. People don't take walks. I enough, agree. I don't think. Just take a walk for the sake of taking a walk. Word. Do some stretching. Uh, Back up your data. Yeah. Listen, still I'm still backing up my data. <laughs> Uh, you can follow us at facebook.com slash another round, Twitter at another round, and always you can email us stuff at another round at buzzfeed.com. Send me your local news. <laughs> yes. The more ridiculous, the better. Please. It doesn't have to be explicitly racial. Like, I'm, I'm here for, like, bunnies have taken over our town news, you know? <laughs> I'm still here for that. <laughs> Send me all your news. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye. Bye. He would show me the saggy pant. <laughs> okay, I can get through this sentence. It's one of the things. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna collect it. I'm gonna collect this. All right. Oh god. Okay. He would show me the saggy pant. <laughs> it's one of the. <laughs> I can't get through this sentence. <laughs>